Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, how about that for a trade? A big star leaving the West. A little star coming to the West. Maybe a rising star or a young promising player, but not an MVP. Certainly not now. The Houston Rockets have finally rid themselves of disgruntled star James Harden. Four-team deal. The local angle is Dante Exum's going to the Rockets. Dante Exum's big four-team deal. So he leaves Cleveland, where he had you know, been for a little more than a year, and he's on the move again. Welcome to the NBA, right? The Nets now have three stars. Whether they have three stars who can play together, and whether they can play enough defense in the playoffs, that all remains to be seen. But James Harden wanted to go there. He wanted to reunite with Durant, who he played with. Uh, in Oklahoma City, not exactly clear to me why they both want to be with Kyrie Irving. Yes, he's talented. Yes, he hit an enormous shot in the NBA Finals. Yes, he can score a lot of points, but he's on his third team. He's worn out his welcome on two, and he's taking shots at LeBron James, which seems crazy since LeBron has four titles and is widely viewed as the best player in the world. But that aside... Kyrie Irving's their guy, and there's the big three. And they don't have a lot around them. They had to give up a lot. They had to ship out uh, $33 million in salary to make the deal work, and they shipped out $34.5 million. They don't have a lot of depth. Kyrie's not with the team. I don't know. There's question marks there. Are they going down the same road they went, they went down a few years ago when they decided to make a deal with the Celtics and Danny Ainge uh, dumped his aging, aging guys on them? Uh, these guys are probably in better shape, but Durant's... Coming off an Achilles, he does look good, but he's coming off an Achilles, and Kyrie Irving is uh, a wild card, and not in the best sense of that. So uh, Durant's or Durant Harden's got to play his way into shape. It seems like a ton of question marks for Jazz fans. Good news, you're not going to lose to James Harden and the Rockets in the playoffs. I don't think you're even going to play the Rockets in the playoffs. You might, you might, but I I don't think you will. And certainly, if you do, it'll be very different than it has been as the Jazz have gone down to defeat to them in 2018 and 2019. So, there's that. And, of course, Cleveland and Indiana in on the deal, big four-team deal, and uh, crazy, crazy day in the NBA. And uh, Houston now is either a lottery team or they, they got some talent. Uh, maybe they'll get in that battle in the 7, 8, 9, 10 spots. And, and suddenly, with the alteration to the playoff, we really, I, to, for me anyway, it's easy to default into who are the top six, who are the next four in that 7 to 10, and who are the bottom five in the lottery with a ton of work to do. Easy to break it into three parts, and I don't see the Rockets being in that, in that top six. If they do, then credit to them for rebuilding on the fly. And maybe they can. Maybe they can pull in Oklahoma City. You know, Oklahoma City traded for Chris Paul, and it looked like a, a lot of spare parts and some talent there, but it just wasn't all going to come together, certainly in the hyper-competitive West. And yet they, they had a pretty good season last year. And then they started up again, so, you know, it was kind of a one-off. All right, that's the uh, the big NBA news. We'll dive deep into that uh, later today. I don't know that uh, I love that. Tra- well, I know I don't. I don't love that trade for the Rockets or the Nets. I get the Rockets had to do something. You know, James Harden was going to keep making noise. And, you know, you can say, hey, they only got 70 cents on the dollar. They should have gotten more for him. Well, they had no leverage. And I just think if they waited two more weeks, they were going to get 40 cents on the dollar, whatever number you want to assign to it. You get the point. They weren't getting full value for him. And in a couple weeks, they were going to get even less value. So make the best deal you can, and, and they did. The Nets, I don't know that they can win the East with that group. Maybe they can. Um, you know, they'll be a contender. It'll create some excitement. But, man, when you give up three draft picks unprotected 
2022, 24, and 26, and you're flipping the other four years, well, you're not rebuilding through the draft going forward. That's clear. That is, that is not how you're doing it. Um, but, hey, they're going all in. They're going for it. So we'll see how it plays out. I don't think it'll work for them. But we'll see how it plays out. And then for uh, Cleveland and Indiana, uh, get some pieces. You know, were they going to be able to resign Old Depot uh, in Indiana? That was a huge question mark. Um, they get Karis LeVert. Uh, he's good. You know, how good is he? How good he will, will he become? He's younger than Oladipo, and he's under contract. Um, so they don't have to worry about uh, competing to re-sign him in this, which should be a crazy offseason coming up this summer. So there's, there's that for them. And, and Cleveland, you know, they got a couple of good young guards. We've been talking about them. So now they get a big guy to go in there and get a little size to go with them and, and get somebody who's young and, you know, they can grow together and all that stuff. Um, so... We'll see how that we'll see how that plays out. I mean, you get a you get a twenty two year old big man. I, I I see what you were doing, and so they go out and uh, get Jared Allen, and we'll see how that plays out for him. Uh, but most of that is in the East. The big headline here is James Harden's not in the West anymore. And Steve Kerr spoke for a lot of people when he said, "Good, let's put let's put some uh, let's put some MVPs over in the East." Durant has moved from the West to the East. Harden has moved from West to East. Westbrook has moved from West to East. All the old Oklahoma City guys went to a second team in the West, but now they have all gone East. So, and, and certainly the West was imbalanced. We talked about that when they picked teams for the All Star Game. We talked about that when it got to the finals. You know, it had better be LeBron because nobody else in the East was going to do it. And for a long time, that's the way it was. But on to a different era. On to college basketball here. Uh, two big games coming up tonight. Uh, if you're a BYU fan, if you're a Utah State fan, these are huge games. These are interesting games. The Utes are playing too. They're playing in the afternoon. They got Stanford, and if they, uh, you know, win that game, they they break their four game losing streak and back to back home losses. You know, good for them. Uh, higher stakes for the other teams. If BYU wants to be an NCAA team, they got to crush it in the West Coast Conference. They got to crush it. They need to beat St. Mary's, and it looks like St. Mary's is down a peg. It's hard to judge anything this year. It's been such a weird year, but St. Mary's just lost to Santa Clara, so I think there's an opportunity there for BYU, and then they'll have to back it up and beat USF, who's who's pretty good too. And you know, it sets up for a letdown if you get way up for one game. We've seen that. Um, you know, this is a big weekend for BYU. But first things first, they got to beat St. Mary's tonight. That's a big game. And then Utah State, big game. Utah State has run wild through the Mountain West Conference. They're playing these uh, home-and-home series. They had been doing kind of the NBA-type deal. Everything's a one-off, no travel partners. You play somebody Wednesday, you play somebody Saturday. Um, and they've been doing that for a few years now. But this year with the pandemic, minimized travel, uh, cut costs for the teams. I mean, they are saving money. There might be a competitive imbalance. So what? They, they got to save the money. So you got half as many flights now. So that's that's a that's a cost savings right there. And you play these two game sets. Well, they swept San Jose and they uh, backed that up by sweeping Air Force and they backed that up by sweeping New Mexico. Now you look at the standings; those three teams are all in the bottom third of the league. Those are three of the bottom four teams in the league. But the way Utah State has beaten them by 33 points a game on average has been very impressive. Everybody has to play the bottom of their conference. Whoever you are, whatever conference you're in, you got to play the bottom of the conference, except possibly Gonzaga <laughs> because they got the schedule negotiated in the West Coast Conference. They get to miss some of the bottom feeders. But everybody else in the country has got to do this. And 
they've been great at it. I mean, they, they've just pounded everybody. They've not taken a night off. They've won by 33 points on average. Just crushing teams. Now, here comes San Diego State, and they've been the big dog in the league. And, you know, I don't know how the seeding would have worked out if the NCAA tournament, you know, if the pandemic had broke two weeks later and the NCAA tournament seeded, maybe even started. Uh, San Diego State looked like they were going to be a one or a two seed. They had that loss to Utah State. Maybe that would have knocked them down the line. I don't know. They had their best team. They had their best chance at a Final Four, and they didn't get to play it out. And they had guys go to the pros. So it's a different group this year, but it's still talented. They're still athletic. Uh, They're still going to beat you with their defense and their athleticism and their rebounding, not so much their shooting. and what will they do when they get two shots at the Aggies? Can the Aggies sweep this? They need to split it, you'd think. I mean, at home, you know, you still have elevation on your side. you still got C-level guys coming around and running around for 40 minutes at elevation. You don't have your home crowd. You're not intimidating the other team. It's not a bizarro shooting background. You're not intimidating the refs. You do have elevation. And you do have the comfort of, you know, you're used to playing in the spectrum. Can they beat the Aztecs twice? And San Diego State just had a hiccup. Blew a big lead to Colorado State and lost the game. Bounced back by building a big lead and holding on and winning convincingly in their rematch with CSU in that two-game series. So we'll see how this goes. But big weekend for BYU, big weekend for Utah State. The rematch with this Utah State-San Diego State game is going to be on KUTV and CBS Saturday afternoon. So big old platform. Wherever, wherever the Aggies are recruiting, uh, their potential recruits will be able to see them on Saturday. That's for sure. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. When we come back, more from the Cougars, more from their coach, Mark Pope, coming up next, looking ahead to BYU's big game tonight. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. All right. Basketball tonight. Uh, the Nuggets are playing tonight. If you want to check out the uh, the NBA, TNT. Uh, Denver's playing tonight. The Jazz played Denver Sunday, so that's out there for you. And there's also a big college basketball game with BYU playing St. Mary's. Here's Cougar coach Mark Pope getting ready for the Gales. Hey, Coach. I know uh, you talked about this a little bit right after uh, last week's game, which feels like forever ago now, probably more so for you than us. But after looking at the film and kind of digesting the tape and whatever, can you give us a little bit of a hint at, at, at just what you guys can see to kind of learn from after going through a pretty difficult chore that was against the number one team in the country? Yeah, I mean, I think we saw a lot of things we expected and, and um, we just didn't manage them well. Uh, you know, the one thing we know is that it's a good team. They're really, really versatile. They're incredibly skilled. Uh and they, they can they can fabricate points in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, I, I was uh, you know we were disappointed that they were way more physical than us. That was disappointing. We were disappointed. You know, I did a poor job preparing the team to feel the right way. You know, we didn't feel right from the start, and that's partly due to the Zags. I think they make a lot of people feel wrong, and it's partly due to us. But you know, you you hate when you walk away from games and you feel like, man, that wasn't even us out there, and. Um, 
So you certainly their length bothered us, which we we expected. Their physicality bothered us, which we were surprised by. Uh, I thought we would have a better showing that way. Um, you know, they really uh, inhibited our pace, and we just didn't respond well. It was, um, you know, it was almost like. Uh, a reaction you would expect when the gym is full of 10,000 crazed fans and it just gets you a little bit sideways, except there was nobody in there. So that was a little bit surprising. Um, but they're a terrific team. You know, they've done that to everybody they've played this year and, and uh, collectively, you know, somebody in college basketball has got, got to find the answer for them. Hey, coach. Um this is going to be just your second game in over three weeks. I'm sure you've never had to deal with anything like that. What now that you know we're almost here for this second game? What are the biggest challenges of just not playing games during such a long period of time? Yeah, it's uh, it's been super interesting for us because we were just it was just a mad dash of games, and then we just basically went dormant, right? And so um, everybody is facing challenges here. Uh, you know, this is challenging for everybody. For us. Um, you know, we got to, you know, we have to find a way to get back our urgency um, and and kind of the desperation that we played with uh, through the non-conference. And so it's something that we're talking about and working on. It's it's going to be a test of our locker room right now to see if we can stay dialed in. And, and um, you know, we'll see because this, uh, you know, it's probably the toughest, this is the toughest, toughest uh road week of our season so it's a huge week for us and, and we'll see how we respond all right jeff call and norma gonzalez coach you have an update on uh, wyatt lowell and his uh, status right now yeah so wyatt tore his ac uh tore his achilles um and just uh you know it's, it's how it happens a lot it's a non-contact play uh, it wasn't anything explosive it was just um it was just a um you know, just he just was changing direction and um, super unfortunate, really, really, really tough situation um, uh, for anybody, but especially for Wyatt having just barely been kind of, uh, you know, getting him back himself back after this labrum tear surgery. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a, another mountain for him to climb, but he'll do it well. He's a he's a tough young man. He's he's really focused. He knows he has a really bright future in this game, and um, you know, and he's holding on to all those things, kind of having to deal with this again. Hey, coach, we've talked a lot about Barcelo early on in the season and whatnot. But what now that we've uh, or you guys have completed the non-conference portion and have finally started conference portion, what do you see from him that really made him stand out as a leader this year? And what do you think? Um, he brings that's so different and special than any of the other guys. Well, he, he's been, you know, he's been really, really assertive and really, really tenacious. Um, not in terms of, of manufacturing numbers, but in terms of finding ways to lead this team. Um, and he's been inexhaustible that way. And so it's, it's all the little things that, that have made him a special um, leader of this group. And after your loss to USC, that's when you guys kind of took a, a look at yourselves and figured out like, Hey, we need to get someone else scoring if Alex can't get to the basket. But it seemed like he, you guys kind of had similar problem against Gonzaga. What do you have to say about being able to continuously fix that problem? Not just rebounding and then falling back into it. Yeah. It's um, you know, it's, it's um, you know, it's the, the Gonzaga game was, was, um, 
you know, we were disappointed with all of our performances. Um, it was, it was, it was not necessarily uh, an individual that was um, uh, let down more, more of us as a collective in terms of our approach, the pace and force we played the game with, um, you know, from the tip, I mean, our first, our first possession is a, is a weird turnover up the boards where we kind of threw it in the other team's hands with no pressure. Right. And so um, it was, you know, as we evaluate that game, it's not really a matter of whether Alex was scoring or not. It was more about the way we felt um, and, and the energy we had in the gym. And those things are the things that, uh, that, you know, that weigh heavily on my shoulders. Good coaches are, are able to, to find ways to put their guys and their team in the locker room in the right um, in the right state of mind in terms of energy wise, and we didn't have it. Um, um, it seemed from the tip we were we were a little bit on our heels. So um, I think different. It was a much different field than the USC game, uh, even though it was similar results. All right, let's take a question from Darnell, and then back to Dana and Jeff. Yeah, hi, Mark. Um, with the performance of guys like Gideon and, uh, uh, you know, off the bench, you had some good performances there from, from Loner as well. Um, as you look at the way you do your rotation, is that something that you evaluate every single game or is that something that you want to fall into a pattern where you have it set every game? Yeah. So, you know, what we do is we have some guys on this team that, that are, are going to continue and improve that have really, really high ceilings. And so it's just a matter of trying to find what, but, but also our inexperience with the game and can be somewhat error prone, um, which is the same with every young player. So um, you try and you try and pick your moments where you can, uh, allow them to be really, really successful, put them in a situation, uh, a, a game feel where they can be really, really successful. And then, and then limit the, the time when they're on the floor, when, when inexperience can be exposed, right? That's a real challenge. Um, but it, what it does when you have young guys that you expect to raise up and turn into really special players, it, it means that your roster and your rotation kind of stays dynamic for the course of the season. Um, as, as guys lift up and, 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 you know, gain some experience or are capable of doing more things. Um, and I think that's certainly what we're hoping to be the case with this team. We hope that our guys will continue getting better, continue getting more comfortable on the floor, continue uh, become becoming more error-free. And as guys do that, uh, I think rotation and minutes will change uh, in kind of um, in, a, in a dynamic way. Um, I think that's, that's the way that we, we are hoping and, and expecting this to, to function. But it's it's very artistic, you know. Sometimes you throw a guy in uh, into a tough situation that's not ready and can break him. Sometimes or it can set him back. And sometimes you you hold him out too long and that can break him too. And and so it's um, it's just a matter of picking and choosing your spots and, and getting lucky sometimes. Coach, I don't know if we had a chance to ask you about uh, Dave Rose uh, since he suffered a stroke. When was the last time you you talked to him? How's he doing? Can you give us an update on on his condition? Yeah, I mean, I think everything that that, that I know is public. Uh, you know, I know it was a really, really scary, uh, you know, 36 hours. And um, and then, you know, like Coach does all the time, he's had this miraculous recovery where uh, he's just like, man, this ain't going to slow me down just like nothing else has. And so, um, you know, it was uh, – 
you know, obviously we're all really praying for him and, and uh, love him so much. And, and he knows he means so much to this university and this program and, uh, and all of Cougar Nation. So um, we've been really, really pleased with with the progress. I mean, I think everybody is relieved. I think everyone universally feels relieved with the progress and expect Coach to, uh, you know, be back to himself sooner rather than later. That's just the way he works. Coach, what do you tell your team about um, the challenge of playing at St. Mary's? Is it a place that BYU hasn't won in quite a, quite a few years? Yeah, uh, you know, I think my guys know. You know, I'll, t- I'll be honest with you. One of the things that I think I've missed on, you know, you're always judging the the, um, the energy and focus of your team. And we spent a lot of time talking about the Zags. Uh, we spent a lot of time focused on what they do well and how to minimize it and what we do. And I, and I, I really do. I mean, upon reflection, I wonder if we, we just, we just leaned that way a little bit too much. And I wonder if that was something that had some effect on my guy's energy and aggressiveness. And so we're taking that into consideration as we, as we begin this, this week on the road, right? This, um, um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to spend some larger per, per percentage of the time really focused on us and how we can function and what we do well and how we can do it better. Uh, of course, my guys are fully aware of how physical, uh, how fundamentally sound uh, these St. Mary's teams are. And, um, you know, I think they'll, they'll know more once they've been through it once, but you know, these games always turn into just a, just a physical slugfest. Like it's, you know, I think St. Mary's is clearly the most physical team in our league, or at least they have been traditionally. And I expect them to be this, this season also. And it just turns into a, like a grinded out game. So, um, you know, we've spent some time uh, talking about the potential pace of the game, that could feel different. Um, talking about uh, the space on the floor, the, how you know how St. Mary's is so effective at minimizing it, and um, but but we're also spending a lot of time just focused on us right now. There's BYU basketball coach Mark Pope. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're talking with Tim Lacombe, our Jazz pregame, halftime, and postgame analyst. You hear him on every game with uh, Jake Scott. They'll be back at it Friday with the Jazz hosting the Hawks, and we will talk with him next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tim Lacombe joined us late in yesterday's show, and that led to a little bit of comedy involving Cowboys. We will get to that coming up. But he also had some good takes on the Jazz. And also, the BYU-St. Mary's game tonight and the Utes. Is there hope for the Utes at 1-4? and four? Uh, I personally don't feel it. I haven't felt it for a couple of years. I felt like it's kind of trending where I thought it was going to trend and where if anyone took a realistic look at the program, it would trend. However... Shocking things happen. We're sometimes amazed by sports. That's why we watch. What is shocking that could happen now? We'll talk about all that with Tim right now here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Tim, good morning. Let me reintroduce myself. My name is Tim. (laughs) And this is Michelle. This is Michelle. 
she is just teaching us all how to simply breathe. She got a shout out from George Nang in the post game, as you well know, since you do the post game show. So the question yeah. is, what music does it for you? Or if it's not music, although I think it probably is with you, but is there something else? Is there something else just like all the stress, all the anxiety, this happens, and it's all that stress and anxiety is off your shoulders? Yeah, there isn't one, one remedy music-wise for me because I am so all over the place. It really does depend on mood and that sort of thing. But uh, I would say that uh, my favorite genre for peace, quiet, you know, when I'm out reflecting in nature uh, is probably some Tom Petty. And just hit the greatest and just let it roll for about, you know, 40 songs. And that'll get you through most anything. Typically, this is where you talk, PK. Oh, you want me to respond to Tom Petty? Sure. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. I was wondering if you were still there solo today, or <laughs> no? I'm here. I didn't. I thought PK you guys were having a conversation. You know what's interesting about one... Tom Petty is he learned how to play guitar from Don Felder of the Eagles fame. Don Felder taught, took, gave lessons to Tom Petty on how to play the guitar. They're both from the Gainesville area in Florida. Hmm. And See, he uh, needed to pause real quick to, for his uh, browser to refresh. Oh, I knew that. <laughs> I read Don Felder's bio. Yeah, if it's if it's if it's got some tie into the Eagles, he's good to go. I saw <laughs> yeah. Felder the a uh, couple years ago opened for opened for somebody that actually opened for somebody that opened for somebody. He was there t- on the ticket, but he was really good. Felder, I saw him right across the street from the arena. What's that? The depot. Right there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I saw he him. rip that Hotel California solo. Oh, yeah. We were right on the floor. It's a very small place there. I saw him there. I've, saw, I've seen a number of acts there. I saw my favorite group, Old Dominion, several years ago there. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Actually, I rediscovered or discovered Old Dominion. I, I got drugged to a Chesney concert. Kind of made it through that Yanni act, but... Man, Old Watch Dominion your, came out and blew it away. Watch your mouth on Chester. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so George and Yang's talking about breathe and all the stress and all the anxiety. And I think everybody's seen the video now of Quinn Snyder really upset in the huddle at the end of the third quarter in Detroit. Uh should there be a lot of stress around this team? What would you tell them about that? You have coached, but you've also got the perspective now of stepping away from the day-to-day grind. How could you enlighten them if you had just a few, a few minutes to talk to them and could give them some advice? What would you say? Well, you know, right now, they're, they're going through something I never had to deal with, and that's playing a season with a pandemic. I, I can't imagine the level of stress that adds, you know, the I think they've talked about it a few times, you know, in, in media sessions, but early, early tests, you know, getting up in the morning to get the tests and, um, and then really just kind of your whole life on pause, reading some of those protocol restrictions, you know, they would really like it if players didn't leave their house, they didn't have to, um, you know, they're under way more scrutiny with this pandemic thing, but, um, you know, in all honesty, in all honesty, it's amazing what uh, a trip through that, and then you know the experience of having lived it, and then kind of being able to be out for a while 
um, and just see all the things you do different. Um, and while you're in the middle of it, it's like it's the most important thing and everybody's talking about it. And it really it's about a segment, you know, a small segment of people that really that really care that much. Um, but uh, it, it, I love those those times where guys just kind of open up and talk about, you know, how they're feeling. And with this jazz team, there there isn't a, a shortage of that. I think most of these guys will say how they feel. So last week was one of the more interesting weeks that they probably are going to have all season. You know, they lose two di- tough games there in New York, and then we're all down on them. So what do they do? They go to Milwaukee and win. And uh, obviously they didn't win a couple of games after that. My thought for you is now they showed us. And so how much does the coaching staff use that as a reference point or ammunition, whatever you want to say? It's like, guys, you showed us what you could do when the chips were down. You rallied against Milwaukee and then won two in a row, three in a row overall. So we know what you can do. So how do they use that as a tool in helping this team going forward? I think experience is always the great teacher. And, you know, I think once, you know, early in a season, the coaches can try to prepare you for all the situations that you're going to encounter during the year. But it's when you actually go through them as a team. And like anything, when you've actually experienced something, then like you said, there's a reference point, there's a memory created um, you know, way early in the season, but I agree with you, PK, that, you know, most people after the loss to the Nets, the shorthanded Nets, you know, when they're without KD, um, and then, you know, to go the next night and get beat by the Knicks, you know, with kind of their, uh, I guess it's been almost laughable the last couple of years, the Knicks, and, you know, they're in the middle of a major reconstruct um it it was a time where you know i think the players and fans and everything even though the league itself has really kind of beaten up each other if you look at the standings um i think there is a there's some strength to be taken for sure from this last week uh i think it shows really the the high points of of how this team can play and, and how well they can operate when they play well and play together and then what it looks like when you go out and try to do things on your own. Um, I don't see Quinn as a big – I mean, I think Quinn definitely has these guys here. And, and, you know, each guy to a man speaks about their respect level for Quinn. Um, so I don't know that he has to do too much. You talk about the end of the third when he slammed the clipboard down. You figure um, it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like that, you know. So, anyway, I think he's uh, – I think Quinn's a, a guy who is – I think he's got these guys always, and he just looks for these opportunities during the season, you know, for teaching moments when they actually can go through and experience them. Now that you've seen a few games, you know, we can analyze some of their strengths. We've done that. They've got a dominant guy protecting the rim. They've got a slew of quality three-point shooters. That is a long list of there. they got multiple ball handlers. So I think – 
you know, what don't they have? What are a couple things to watch for? Um, you know, Joe Ingles, that that seems a little worrisome. We'll see if it quiets down. He's able to play a lot of minutes. I don't know, you know, how much that was serious against Cleveland and how much it was just, hey, we, we really don't need him tonight. We're going to win this one. Let's, let's just let's just take it easy on this guy and, and see if we can get him a little healthier. And then maybe the ability to defend a really – athletic, elusive, veteran, cagey, elite scorer on the perimeter. Uh, but, but it's the NBA. Who really defends those guys that well anyway? Uh, but maybe they'd be better off if they had you know, an elite 6'6 defender who could move as well as a six-foot point guard. I, I don't know. What, what do you see when you're looking for uh, areas this team can be challenged? So I think what, what's really important that came out of this last week is um, – you know, the Jazz found a couple other ways to win games. Um, you know, Quinn talked a lot about uh, after the um, uh, who'd we play on? They all run together. Um, before Cleveland, we beat Detroit. Detroit. It was Detroit. So obviously, Quinn really praised the defense after the Detroit game um, on Sunday, and you know, he talked about specifically. You know, really important in the NBA to find different ways to win games. Um, I think we have seen that this team can, you know, replicate the the good pace, force, move the ball, and make a lot of threes, uh, and really kind of run away and hide from teams. And, and I think that is an awesome weapon to have. You know, it's something like you said, DJ. They've got a slew of shooters, so if they can get it going, man, they can really kind of get it going and run away and hide. What's encouraging after Sunday, and again, even with the watered-down lineup with Cleveland, is their attention and effort and focus defensively has been really good. And, and I've seen it by, you know, for each guy. I think Mike's trying harder and Donovan. Um, you know, Royce is always out there battling against the, the number one option. Um, you know, Bojan is, is Bojan, but I think he's alert enough and, and got a high enough IQ um, and then Rudy's obviously the defensive uh, foundation for this team. Um, but as guys come in, I just see a better effort and understanding. And the Jazz, you know, is presently constituted. I don't think they're ever going to just lock a guy down. And um, and like you said, Deej, this is a, the NBA. So, you know, points go fast and furious. And it's not like you're ever going to shut anybody totally down. But I think they're getting better team defensively which bodes well for the playoffs because at the end of the day, you don't stop anyone one-on-one. It it certainly helps, but you've got to have everybody on the same page. And uh, from my vantage point watching this team, I see better engagement, better effort, um, guys in stances, guys communicating, and that can only mean better team defense in the long run. Just a little uh, hint, he hates to be called Deej, so don't call him that. Deej, what a... Thanks, PK. I got high-load right there. <laughs> well, I'm trying to help you. You don't like being called I, Deej. I don't, I don't think you were. You, you That's not true. <laughs> you tell me you don't like being called Deej. Well, that part is true. You telling Tim just encourages him to well, call Well, it was more. just kind of one of those things like DJ, excuse me, PK just ran up in the schoolyard behind DJ and knelt down. Yep, that's so it. I, I got high load. Over. Yes. No, not at all. Uh, you got 
I don't know about what you got, but I have nothing but your best interests at heart. <laughs> so you got hearted. By me. <laughs> which, is what, which is what's made you guys a great duo for so many. I got, I got hearted. Expressions <laughs> that have never been used before. I got hearted. <laughs> Said no one ever. Well, I think we now need to make you a have. T-shirt for your show that says "I Heart Deej." Oh, geez. He doesn't like that name. What can I tell you? I really don't. I mean, so I'm just giving you a little insight. Maybe I should have taken you off to the side behind closed doors, not out in the press. Initials DJ, are initials are DJ. not a word. Please don't add vowels. Thank you. <laughs> DJ, DJ, do you really hate Deech? I don't like it. I wouldn't say I hate it, but okay, I don't, I I don't ever, like it. I will never call you it again. Thank See? you. See? Thank you, There Tim. you go. Thank you, Timmy. Again, best interest <laughs> at heart. I've taken care of a problem. Before it festered, I cut it off. Now That's back my, now back to the jazz. I'm a cutter offer of problems. It's what I do. <laughs> and, and I heart that. All right, good. Now Hey, I back. actually have a mole that's bugging me behind my ear. Oh. So I'm gonna come see you after the show. <laughs> you cut problems out. Okay, go ahead. Sure. So we've hold, seen hold uh on. The, I have to throw up. I'll be right back. <laughs> we've seen the Jazz play a number of quality teams and we also follow the league. Now specifically in the West. I really don't see any reason why they can't finish minimum third, possibly second. And maybe I'm caught up because they've won three in a row, and if they had lost three in a row, I'd think, oh, my gosh, is this team even going to make the playoffs? But I'm going to put the Lakers on another tier. And I'm to a, to a degree, I'll put the Clippers up there. I'll, I'll give people want to make the argument for the Clippers. I'll, I'll allow that to be made. But other than that, from what I see out there, I gotta figure this team has a real legitimate shot at third, if not second. Well, I mean that's where I see them. Um, I, I really do. And from the beginning, uh, the Lakers are in a different category. But the one advantage the Jazz have over the Clippers is they don't, you know, use the kind of the, they don't manage their players that same that same way uh, all the time. It's not something they. That load management stuff has not made its way to Salt Lake a ton. So I think, you know, the, the roster as presently constituted and as guys are healthy will play. And um, I still believe, you know, really one, two, three, or excuse me, two, three, and I would even say four. I mean, there's going to be a whole lot of, of parity teams beating each other. As you can see right now, I mean, I think the Lakers have lost three. The Celtics have lost three, and then there's a slew of teams behind the last four um, in both the East and the West. So it's going to be kind of fun because right now we're it's like a horse race where we're past the one eighth pole. Um, you know, we finished ten games, and uh, we're, we're we're fixing to go on our second ten here, and it's just going to be interesting ten games at a time to see how this thing kind of jockeys around and. Um, but I'm with you, PK. I believe this team is totally 100% capable um, with the additions they've made and the way the guys are playing to finish uh, as high as second in the West. I, I, I totally buy that. When you were coaching at BYU, were there a lot of horse racing analogies? Did the word furlong get used a lot? Well, you know... No. Just a furlong. I was trying to figure out how to use it again. Okay. I, I listen to so many, you know, because I'm doing this now, I read all these pod, or all these 
uh, blogs and read all, listen to all these podcasts. And I, I liked that. Somebody used the one eighth the other day, and I thought that's pretty cool. Kind of puts it in perspective. You're just rounding that first bend. Right. Speaking okay. your language, PK. Speaking your language. Yeah, yeah. That's a well. Depending on how long the race is, if it's a six furlong, you know, that's a short. So I think five and a half is the shortest they would go. But if it's a mile or two, well, then we, we got a good long way to go uh, as far as that goes. Hitch up for college basketball a little bit. Uh, man, how does BYU, do they just look at it and say, wow, Gonzaga's just that good? Uh, not going to worry about those guys? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a yearly thing. Um, you know, BYU has had a, a great amount of success in comparison to the rest of the WCC against Gonzaga. Um, but the way that thing stacked up, you know, BYU being not having a game for 16 days and then figuring out how to play. Now, look, I'm not saying that's why they lost, um, but that, you know, in my mind, that, that played into it. And I think BYU kind of got more comfortable as the game went on, but um, just had just a horrific start uh, to the game. And, you know, I said it last week multiple times, but the feeling I got a lot, and it's not something I'd vocalize while I was there, but, you know, our our goal every year is to win a conference title, and you could not find those guys. (laughs) It's like chasing a ghost. Um, you know, in the, in the Mountain West Conference, we we had great rivalries, and you know, each year you'd split, and uh, but then that team would go on and really struggle. Whether it be San Diego State, you know, they have, they'd struggle at New Mexico, or Wyoming, or this Gonzaga team just does not struggle. And when it comes to league, they just run through it for the most part, year after year after year. And they may lose one here or one there. Um, but beating them and winning a conference title was always so difficult, and um, you know nothing's changed. That's kind of how, as good as BYU is, as good as their season's been, whatever. You know that's the that's the thing that'll always kind of be there that you you know in your back of your mind that the Zags are out there. You've got to beat them, and you got to have some other people beat them. And you know, in order to do that, you got to find them, and that's what we always felt like, man. We're chasing a ghost here. So, uh, Tim, both you and PK know I have not had much hope for the Utah basketball program for a couple of years now, so naturally, I don't have much hope now that they've lost 12 in a row on the road and four in a row, or 12 in a row on the road in conference play, four in a row overall in conference play, and they have blown 10-point halftime leads in back-to-back home games, and they've blown them quickly. I don't have a silver lining. I don't have much to encourage Ute fans with. I think this is largely how it's going to go. However, people listening to this who want to have hope are thinking, well, Deej, you, uh, you've been wrong on some other predictions, so maybe you're wrong on this one, Cowboy. So if I am wrong on this one, why is it? Why would there be hope? Will you ask that as a Cowboy? Just <laughs> say, why would there be hope as a Cowboy, and then I'll answer. Why would there be hope as a Cowboy? No, no, no. Say it like a cowboy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know how to talk like a cowboy. Like you've got weed, like you got weed in your side of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was hoping we'd get to this. <laughs> he just repeats it. <laughs> Please make this. I didn't know I was supposed to be role-playing there. This has to be one of those freaking... Drops, doesn't it? Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs>
happened? He okay. retains I, I his title make... as the king of unintentional comedy. Thank you. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I won't make you say it as a cowboy. What I was looking for is kind of like the way Reed <laughs> that uh, Lloyd reads that. Come on down and have a nice. You know what I'm talking about that. Oh, so, so why? Why would there be some hope? Yeah, why would there be some hope? Because I'll tell you what, hope hope drives everything. And I agree with you. This team, this Utah team, has really struggled to score and in spurts. Um, and that's why these games they they play well, they get out in the lead, and then they really do struggle to score. And it's hard when you're when you don't have you know Plummer is a guy who can go out there and get some buckets, but again, he's kind of streaky too. Um, and Timmy Allen is a guy who can get to the rim but doesn't really shoot it great. So I think what happens is they get out and play well and the team's kind of adjust and the Utes really have a a hard time, um, you know, putting enough points on the board. I think that's part of their issue right now. They're playing hard, but they just struggle to score. But never lose hope, DJ. I was about to use that other name that I'm never going to call you again. (laughs) Never lose hope. There's There's always time for hope. Give us an update on Dave Rose. Uh, really good stuff. And if all goes according to plan, um, you know, he's every single day. In fact, I got a, t- a text yesterday. It's his best day that he's had. Um, still working through a lot of rehab, both in speech and um, in, in recollection and things like that, but doing awesome. Uh, I've had four or five conversations, my phone will ring throughout the day and he'll just want to, ch- to, to chat. Um, and my hope is from what I've understood that, uh, he'll be headed home fairly soon and, and just start, continue to do some therapy at home and kind of transition to, to that. So way better news than a week ago. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, I, I'm a big believer when we all throw our heart and soul into something and, um, and offer support. It's amazing what can happen. Well, we appreciate the update. That's better the news than I think we expected to hear, uh, you know, a week ago or uh, ten days ago. So that is that is good to hear, Tim. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I just want to thank everybody too for jumping in and helping with that because you know, there were a lot of people that offered support, you know, in so many different ways and. Anyway, it's it's good, and I'm, I can't wait to spend more time with the, the big dog. Well, Tim, we appreciate spending a little bit of time with you, and when you talk to him, tell him that we both say hello. Will you say that as a cowboy? Nope. <laughs> okay. Nope. Not going to do it. Not going to do well, it. When you speak to him, tell him that we both said hello. <laughs> I will tell him that DJ said hello and PK was a fly in the ointment. <laughs> As always. Oh, good. Well, that'll make it. That'll make tell it him I said howdy, partner. We's rooting for him, fixing to get better. Down in these parts, we've really been hoping you're doing good, Coach. I wasn't a cowboy. That was more like a southern. I, I, I felt a little Louisiana or Mississippi there. I felt like you were... Uh... Well, I didn't say what kind of region the cowboy had to be from. Okay. I don't know. I always, I always put the cowboy in Texas, so I don't, I don't know. Jake, will you please pull that? I, I have to hear him say this like a cowboy. <laughs> that was so awesome. It's going to be archived and saved. Okay, perfect. All right. Thanks for nothing, Tim. Hey, You're the man. Love you, love you boys. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Get out. <laughs>
That's how we should end it with all guests. All right, get out. Oh, brother. There is Tim Lacombe, former uh, BYU assistant coach. He was on Rick Majerus' staff of the U, and now you hear him on the Jazz pregame, halftime, and postgame shows right here on The Zone. We're going to take a break. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.